Good morning. Welcome to the Springs. And uh, my name is Robert Boyd. I'm one of the trustees here. And um, just to be clear, I'm not John Omquist. John's in New York. His uh, family. And um, and so, uh, if you're visiting today, uh, don't judge the Springs based on this message. All right. Uh, John's fantastic. Uh, we really are blessed to have him here, and we're excited to have him on staff here. Uh, I want to follow up on one of the things that uh, Cole said, just the family meeting tonight. Um, if you've been running with us uh, for a couple years, or if today's your first Sunday, uh, please come tonight. We've got some really exciting things we're talking through. Uh, my family's had the chance to be a part of the Springs since the very beginning when we met at uh, Hill Country Medical Offices. It was our first couple of Sundays. So if you were there, uh, you definitely want to be here tonight because there's some really exciting stuff happening uh, here at the Springs, and, um, and make, make sure that you have an opportunity to be here, and again, five to six will be in this room, uh, really exciting time. Well, listen, um, what I want to do is, uh, I want to open with uh, prayer. My, my mind is all over the place this week. Um, some of y'all know this, but my uh, mother-in-law this week was diagnosed with a uh, pretty severe uh, disease, and it's, it, it's one of those things she didn't have, it's, it's weeks, not months, not years, and so... Um, my wife has been up in Fort Worth a couple times this week already, and so, uh, so I'm going to pray for us right now, and really pray, and I hope you would pray for, uh, for me just to settle down and just settle in here, because uh, it's, it's uh, tough news we got this week, and, uh, but God is good all the time. So let me pray for us, and we'll get going. Lord, thank you for this morning. Thank you for the opportunity we have to meet here at McKenna. Thank you that this is not... The church, this building is not the church. These people are your church. And Lord, you've uh, made a way for us to communicate with the creator of the universe in a very personal way and allows us to uh, recognize your bigness and our smallness and the fact that you still reach out for us and you pursue us more than we ever pursue you. Lord, thank you that... Uh, you have the ability to calm us. Your word says, be anxious for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, present your requests to God. And the peace of God that surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and mind. So Lord, I pray that this morning. I pray for peace that surpasses understanding. I pray for clarity. I pray for the opportunity of my friends here to hear who you are, what you desire, and how to achieve that. Lord, we love you. Thank you for your son that gave himself on the cross. Thank you that he rose again. And because of that, we do not mourn as those who do not have hope. We thank you that you have made a way possible for us to interact with you. Probably in Christ's name, amen. All right, well, uh, I'm not a uh, professional speaker. I'm an engineer, actually. I work for Comahawk County. And so uh, my job really... Um, I'll tell you, the thing that freaks me out more than anything is what happened to Lake Dunlap this week with the collapsing of the dam right there. We, uh, actually, this week, we did dam inspections for the six, the six dams that we maintain here in Comal County. And so it's the one day uh, I get to say I'm a dam inspector and uh, get to tell my kids, you know, my kids are able to say, yeah, Dad's the dam engineer today. And, um, and uh, I, then also, I, on Friday, I spoke on environmental enforcement. And then this next Friday, I'm doing a class on homeowner uh, maintenance of aerobic systems. And so if I get lost here and I start talking about um, raw sewage, uh, just, uh, we'll come on back, all right? We'll come back here. But, uh, I, but I want you to know that um, 
that one of the things that uh, as, as engineers, we have a different type of sense of humor. So um, what I want to do is, uh, this is a, uh, an old uh, comic from uh, Calvin and Hobbes, one of my favorites. And, uh, and so this is uh, a question I get asked a lot, actually. And so this is a question that Calvin asks. He says, hey, Dad, how do they know the load limit on bridges? And uh, the dad says, they drive bigger and bigger trucks over the bridge until it breaks. Then they weigh the last truck and rebuild the bridge. And Calvin says, oh, I should have guessed that. And, the, and so the, the wife, this is my wife, saying, hey, dear, if you don't know the answer, just tell them. Because as engineers, you got to understand, we're never wrong, okay? And pray for my wife because she has to live with me. And, uh, and I'm learning that I am wrong more often than I think. But that is, uh, that is an, a, a, a view of... Uh, you have an engineer speaking to you this morning, okay? So my hope is that this will be clearly articulated to you. But uh, before we get uh, really into the meat of what we're talking about here, I want to define a few terms for us, and this might be a glossary we use, all right? And you'll hear terms like uh, believer and non-believer, Christian and non-Christian. And what I want to do is just go through briefly just a few things, just defining what do I mean by the word believer, okay? And uh, one final thing before we get there. Um, I am preaching in shorts and flip-flops, all right? And, uh, and welcome to the Springs, because we want everyone that comes here to realize, hey, it's okay to come as you are, all right? And settle in, breathe deep, and hopefully you will recognize the creator of the universe loves you deeply, all right? So here's, the, here's what a believer is, all right? What we have is, uh, is we have man and God, Okay? And uh, God's word talks about um, a couple of verses here. He says, uh, Romans 3.23, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Uh, Isaiah 64.6, all our righteous acts are as filthy rags. So the separation between God and man is a word we have called sin. Okay, and the word said, for all have, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. So what happens is we try to we try to earn our way to God. We try to do good things. We try to say, hey, I'm a good person. I go to church every Sunday. I, um, I give uh, to people. I uh, helped a guy on the road the other day that had a flat tire. All these good things we try to do, but our, our best things are like filthy rags to God. So what happens is we, we reach, but we fall short, okay? And so what happens is that God recognizes this. And God says, instead of you trying to make your way to me, I'm going to come to you. And the person of Jesus Christ came in the flesh, and, uh, and he lived a perfect life on our behalf. He gave himself, died for us on the cross, and rose again. And this is a real famous verse you might see at football games. It says, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. So just like Calvin's talking about a load zone bridge, God provides a bridge in the face of, in the form of a cross. And because of that, we're now able to get to God because of what God came near to us. That's the gospel. That's what I mean by a believer. So when it says believe this, that's a believer. You have believed. And because of that, you get eternal life. And that's great news. And today, this might be the first time that you've heard that and understood that. And my hope is that you would take time to say, Lord, I believe, and because of that, you've granted me eternal life. I'm going to get some water here. All right, so that's great news, but it gets even better, okay? Because in Scripture, 
Uh, Jesus talks about this. He says, I have come that may have life and life abundantly. And so eternal life is something that is long term. But he says the abundant life starts right now. You don't have to wait to heaven to enjoy this. You can start right now. And he sets up this real strange paradox where he says, if you want the abundant life, you actually give your life away. That's where abundant life is found. And so scripture is littered with verses like this. I'm going to go through a couple here. This is Mark 8.35. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it. But whoever loses their life for me and the gospel will save it. That's the abundant life. It seems strange. He's saying, give your life away and you'll receive the abundant life. Eternal life is guaranteed. It's set. We're talking about the abundant life here. Okay? Philippians 1.21. For to me... For to me, to live is Christ and to die is gain. 1 John 3.16, this is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. Luke 9.23, then he said to them all, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their their cross daily and follow me. He set this thing up saying, eternal life is guaranteed. You've got it. But you want abundant life? Give your life away. And you hear that message here over and over again at the Springs is, and using John's terminology, give your freaking life away. If you want the abundant life, that's where life is found. And so what happens is uh, God has set up a deal where he says, full devotion is where the abundant life is found. All right? Now, for me, this is what my, my full devotion looks like. My devotion is I give a lot of times... 90%. And I say, man, I hope God grades on the curve. And, uh, and so what happens there is, um, uh, is that I don't think I'm alone there. I think we all kind of give this 90%. I think that uh, we like the appearance of full devotion, but we're not willing to give our life away to achieve full devotion. Um, for, for me, uh, a real application that really speaks well here is, uh, is Kelly and I, we have five kids, okay? We have three biological kids that are 18, 16, 15, and we have two adopted children that are now nine and eight. And we, we adopted them through the foster system. So we started fostering them when, the, when they were three and four, okay? And there's people in this room that remember that season, and they picked us up and just kind of carried us through a lot of those times. But they moved in in uh, September. I don't remember the year, to be honest. Uh, I could probably think of it, but, you know, you have better things to do than watch me remember things. And so, uh, so they moved in in September, and uh, it was rough, really tough. And this was challenging because as a foster parent, one of the things is you kind of, you kind of hedge your devotion to, to these foster kids. You're like, they might not be here a long time, so I don't want to give my whole heart to them. Uh, I don't want to get hurt, and so I'm going to hold back. And that's the season we were in, okay, is I did not want to give everything to these children. And so that, my Christmas present to my family that year was I took the boys to Houston and gave them three days just by themselves. Went to Houston. My parents live in Houston. Went down there. We, we uh, had a I honestly don't remember much of it. But on the way back, uh, I remember th- this, is where, this is where 90% devotion can get you. On the way back, um, we're driving and we stop uh, at a gas station to fill up. And um, 
I hadn't had three and four-year-olds in like seven years. And so we go in, and we're using the bathroom and, and uh, buy some things. And um, we get back in the car, and I can smell something minty. And I look in the rearview mirror, and I see Mark, who's three at the time, is chewing on some gum. And I'm like, hey, Mark, where did you get that gum? And he said, from the gas station. I go, you stole some gum? He goes, oh, no, no, no. Uh, in the bathroom, <laughs> if you've been to a bathroom and you, you've been to a urinal, there's sometimes gum in there. He had picked gum out of the urinal and started chewing it. That's where 90% devotion gets you, <laughs> right there. And I remember just going, oh my word, this is, we truly are failures. I mean, we have, we are, we are, we have failed miserably as parents. And, uh, and so <clears throat> that, that 90% devotion as a foster parent, okay, it's a dangerous place to be, not because your kid might eat gum out of a urinal, but because you're missing out on the opportunity to love a child fully. And so one of the characters in Scripture uh, that we uh, talk about is a guy that I relate to really, really well, okay? And he's an Old Testament king. His name is Saul, all right? So if you have your Bibles, turn to 1 Samuel 15, okay? And Saul, just to give you some uh, a kind of a little bit of a, of a picture where we're at, Okay? I know a lot of people get frustrated by the Bible because they feel like they open it and they read it and it's like reading Japanese, okay? And so what I want to do is just give you a little breakdown here, okay? In your Bible, if you go to the table of contents, the first 17 books of the Old Testament is the history of Israel, okay? And that history is uh, demonstrated here by these, uh, these are the, you know, there's nine parts in the Old Testament and three parts in the, in the New Testament. That's the history of the Bible, okay? So the first 17 books... The Old Testament, history of the Old Testament. The next five books are poetic books. The next uh, 17 are prophetic books. Those books fit into the timeline, okay, of the first 17 books. Does that make sense? First 17 books, timeline. The next books fit into that timeline, okay? So a lot of people read it and they think, man, I'm, I'm here in Psalms, and Psalms doesn't make sense at all because it's just a guy writing poet, poems. Is that... And you're right, he, but he wrote it within the timeline of the first 17 books, okay? So Saul is happening during this sixth time. He's the first king of Israel. What I love about Saul is uh, the people of Israel were saying, hey, uh, God, we know we have a relationship with you, and you've told us that you want to be our God, okay? But we see these other countries with kings, and we want a king, and God says, you don't want a king. And he says, no, no, we want a king. God says, listen, if you have a king, he's going to, do, he's going to tax you. He's going to take your people and put them in, a, in an army. It's going to be bad. Let me be your king. And the people say, God, we don't want you as king. We want a king. And they go find Saul. Now, Saul was a head taller than everybody else there around. He was a physical specimen. Okay? But he was frightened. He was weak. And he was... Uh, he, was, he, he fell to peer pressure over and over and over again. That's why I relate to him so well, okay? And so this story that we're going to read about is in 1, Saul, I'm sorry, 1 Samuel chapter 15, and this is a, a dialogue between a guy named Samuel and Saul. Samuel was a prophet that God had sent, and Samuel would go and speak to the people of Israel, specifically the kings, 
about what was happening. Samuel's also the guy that anointed David, if you all know that, that story. David's the second king of Israel. We won't go there today, okay? So <clears throat> what I want you to do is um, we're going to look at 1 Samuel 15, all right? And this is some instructions that God is giving Saul that he's asking, this is what I'm calling you to do, all right? So 1 Samuel 15, verse 3, uh, Samuel says to Saul, now go, attack the Amalekites and totally destroy all that belongs to them. Do not spare them. Put to death men and women, children and infants, cattle and sheep, camels and donkeys. Now, if you read that and you go, hey, um, what's this about God trying to kill an entire people group? We're not going to cover that right now, but if you want to talk about that, love to talk about after the service, okay? Come and ask me. But what I want you to, to, to picture is this, is I've summarized it with this picture, is that God's direction is kill all the Amalekites. Every last one, every animal, every man, woman, child, everything, totally and completely destroy them. Pretty clear instruction? Okay? I'm going to skip down to verses 8 and 9. Okay? Saul took Agog, king of the Amalekites, alive, and all his people he totally destroyed with a sword. But Saul and the army spared Agog and the best of the sheep and cattle, the fat calves and lambs, everything that was good. These they were willing to, unwilling to destroy completely, but everything that was despised and weak, they totally destroyed. So I want to summarize it with, with this picture right here. This is what Saul did. Saul destroyed all the weak Amalekites, but he kept the king and he kept the best cattle and the sheep. You with me? Okay. Full devotion, 90% devotion. Did Saul do something? Yes. Did he follow the direction completely? No. Okay? So, we're going to uh, skip down to verses 12 and 13 now. Okay? So this has occurred. Uh, early in the morning, Samuel got up and went to meet Saul, but he was told, Saul has gone to Carmel. There he has set up a monument in his own honor and has turned and gone down on down to Gilgal. When Samuel reached him, Saul said, The Lord bless you. I have carried out all the Lord's instructions. All right? We're going to summarize that with this, ver this uh, picture right here. Saul's going, did pretty good, didn't I? All right? He's, he's oblivious to the fact that he has not had full devotion. Okay? He is just saying, hey, I did a good job. Pat me on the back, Samuel. I'm your man. All right? You with me? All right. This is, this is uh, Samuel's response. But Samuel said, what then is this bleeding of sheep in my ears? What is this lowing of cattle that I hear? Why did you not obey the Lord? So if you picture it, you know, Samuel's there and he's talking to Saul and off in the distance he hears these lowing, lowing cattle and bleeding sheep. And he's saying, what's happening over there? Okay, This is a good example of where for the most part, passive-aggressive is not, is not a good way to communicate, all right? Unless you're a prophet of God, okay? If you're a prophet of God, you can use passive-aggressive to make your point, all right? But he's asking the question simply and saying, why did you not obey the Lord? Here is uh, Saul's response. It's uh, verses 20 and 21, okay? Saul says, but I did obey the Lord. I went on the mission the Lord assigned me. I completely destroyed the Amalekites. 
and brought back Agog their king. The soldiers took sheep and cattle from the plunder, the best of what was devoted to God, in order to sacrifice them to the Lord, your God, at Gilgal. All right? So here's the, the word picture here. Here's the full devotion that God's asked, and there's Saul's devotion. Is he did carry out a portion of his direction, okay? But he did not fully carry out the direction that God gave him, all right? Now, you, you hear this, and uh, you're going, hey, Robert, what does this have to do with me here in New Braunfels in 2019? The Bible uses Saul as a picture of us, okay? And what we can do is we could change it to this. Full devotion versus fill-in-the-blanks devotion, okay? Put your name in that blank and say, am I fully devoted to what God's called me to? Now, I want to really clarify this, all right? We started out talking about God giving eternal life. That is done through us believing, Christ accomplished it for us, okay? We do nothing to receive that eternal life, all right? We're now talking about the abundant life. Remember, the abundant life was, you want the abundant life? Give your life away. You want the abundant life? Go all in on full devotion. Saul's a word picture for us. He's a character study of someone that says, yes, I fully am devoted to the Lord. I did everything you asked me to do, except for that part where I kept the king alive, and I kept the best cattle and best sheep alive, okay? Right now, I'm realizing that we're going to go really short this morning, okay? So you might get out of here pretty quick. But here's two questions I want you to consider, okay? The first question, what are the bleeding sheep and lowing cattle in your life? What's keeping you from full devotion. Now, I can tell you in my life what it is. Okay, my life is I, uh, it's not because I'm an engineer, it's because I'm a jerk. I am self-righteous. I judge people. And that's what keeps me from full devotion. It's the fact that I have this mindset that I'm the smartest guy in the room. And God's destroying that over time. But that's still the bleeding sheep and lowing cattle in my life. What is it for you? What is it that God right now is, is uh, tapping on the shoulder and saying, that's it, man. That's what's keeping you from full devotion. It could be, uh, it could be an affair. It could be an addiction to pornography. It could be mismanagement of funds. It could be uh, treating your wife and, or husband the way they should not be treated. It could be yelling at your kids and thinking that's the way that I raise them. It could be self-righteousness. It could be a mindset of just saying, God, I know what you've asked. I'm not willing to give it. So what are the bleeding sheep and lowing cattle in your life? That's for you to answer. Second question is, who's your Samuel? Who, who are the people in your life that have full permission to call you on the lowing cattle and bleeding sheep in your life? Who are they? For me, 
I can name them. John Almquist, Cole Adams, Shannon Merrick, uh, Todd Smith. Those guys have full disclosure to come to my life and say, hey, Robert, I know you want to be here, but I'm seeing you down here. I'm seeing you, you say you want to be fully devoted, but I'm seeing a gap here. Can you help me understand what that 10% is? Where are we missing this? Okay? So my question to y'all is, who is your Samuel? Who's the person that has permission to come into your life and ask you those questions? I'm telling you right now, if your answer to those questions are, one, I don't have any bleeding sheep and lowing cattle, and two, therefore, I don't need a Samuel, beware. Okay? Be careful, because that's a dangerous place to be. If someone asks you, hey, if, if Satan were to take you out, how would he take you out? And you can't answer that, you're in deep, serious trouble. Okay? This is why it's so vitally important while we go and we talk about going all in on community here at the Springs. Community groups are that lifeline that we provide an opportunity for you to recognize bleeding sheep, lowing cattle in your life, and give you people that can be Samuels in your life. Okay? If you're not in a community group, I encourage you, I plead with you, please, please, please see Jonathan Dennis after the service and get in one. If you're in a community group and you say, we never talk about bleeding sheep and lowing cattle, and no one has permission to talk to my life, get out of that community group, go see Jonathan, and get in a different community group. Okay? I'm being dead serious. We don't have time to just play around and play in this 90%, we just say, okay, you're okay, I'm okay, we're all okay, let's just keep tricking each other into thinking that we're doing full devotion here, okay? That's not healthy, that's not what God wants, and that will not lead you to the abundant life. Eternal life is guaranteed. The abundant life is your desire to go all in and say, I want to be fully devoted because you've promised me that's where abundant life is found is when I address these bleeding sheep and lowing cattle in my life and I give people permission to speak into my life. That's where it's found. I want to share something with y'all. I've already told you how bad a parent I am. Um, but this is something that I want to, I want to show y'all. I don't know if you can read that. But in my family, uh, what we started doing, we did this started about probably three months ago. Uh, myself and Shannon and Jonathan Dennis started with First Peter. And what we do is we just read a couple of verses a day probably three times a week, and I'll send out just some observations to my family, okay? So we're in 2 Corinthians now, so I'm writing this out where Fam Bam is our family text feed, and I think there's probably a lot of people have text feeds in here. My, my two youngers are not on here. Just our, po- our policy is that we give kids a cell phone Christmas of their sixth grade year, okay? So our two youngers are not on there. So that's just what we've done. If you think that's wrong, let's talk about it, and we'll have a fun time, okay? So... 2 Corinthians 7.1, since we have these promises, beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from every defilement of body and spirit, bringing holiness to completion in the fear of God. So these are the observations that I made that I sent out to my, my family just for us to contemplate and talk through, uh, both on text feed, but also at night if we're sitting around the dinner table. Since we have the promises of being the temple of God, it is our responsibility to keep ourselves clean from things that could devile the temple. Not to perform and earn God's favor, because God's favor for us was earned by the finished work of Christ, but rather in response to the great love He has lavished on us, 
and our desire to provide him a clean home in the form of our bodies. So what are some things that are currently in your life that are defiling God's temple? What are your bleeding sheep and lowing cattle? This is before I even knew I was preaching, so this is just, I'm, I'm kind of hijacking our text here, but uh, things that you're seeing, listening to, participating in, speaking to. How can we make our lives holy in light of his great love for us? That was the question presented to my family. Parent, uh, kids, if you want to make your parents happy, respond to their texts, okay? This is what I get. I worry, which leads to extra eating, which leads to unhealthy thinking. Another response, judgment towards others. My response back, self-righteousness, which leads to increased judgment. Another one, ditto. Trying to think into the future when I'm needing to stay in the now. Those are the things that keep us from having a holy temple. Those are the things, that the bleeding sheep and lowing cattle. And just so you can see, that it really is a text feed. Could someone please put out the chicken parmesan in the, in the oven from the freezer? All right? That was, that was on Tuesday. All right? But that's what I'm doing right there is I'm seeking to be a Samuel for my family. I'm seeking to call out what are the things in your life that are keeping you from being fully devoted? And I'm asking those questions on purpose, asking them to do those things. Now, I can't be the Samuel for my kids for the rest of their life. That's why I want my kids that have been raised in a church community like this, community like this when they go to college, when my, my oldest is going to ACU in the fall, she's got to make a beeline for a church that has healthy community that will ask the questions, what are the bleeding sheep and lowing cattle in your life, and will you allow me to be a Samuel for you? They've got to put themselves in situations like that. I want my kids to recognize that and see that that is where life is found. The abundant life is found when I give my life away. Put yourself in communities that will encourage that. Okay? Uh, <clears throat> so going back to, uh, I started with this, full devotion to my devotion. Um, the foster kids that we had that I gave 90% of my life to, uh, we ended up adopting them. And so my devotion to my foster kids became full because now they're adopted. I can't get rid of them. They're, they're in my family, all right? I'm their father. I'm their dad. They call me dad when they need something. Hey, dad, I need more money, okay? That's a, they're, they're kids, as foster parent kids, they couldn't do that, but as full kids, they can now, all right? But all I have to say is that that 90% to 100% went forward with my kids. With my foster kids are now fully my children. My full devotion is there. But then the question becomes, am I doing that in other areas of my life? Am I continuing to pursue going from a 90% to 100% in every area of my life? And for you, the picture of adoption is something that all of us can have. All of us can see. It's a, it's a word picture that God uses and so we have, my, we have full devotion, but we have God's devotion to us. And so this is Galatians 4, but when, this time was, when, the time, when the set time had fully come, God sent his son, born of woman, born under the law, to redeem those under the law that we might receive adoption to sonship. This harkens all the way back to the first thing we talked about, which was God made a plan, made a way for us to spend eternity with him. The question before us, is, are we going to go all in and, and experience the abundant life? Or are we going to continue to play the game of 90% and hope God just 
grazing a curve. I'm telling you all right now, the abundant life is worth it. If you're in a place right now where you're saying, you mentioned those questions, and I know what they are. I know the things keeping me from 100% devotion. Last week's message ended in James 5. James 5.16 says, Confess your sins one to another that you might be healed. I would today find someone, find your Samuel today and go to them and say, I know what the things are that are keeping me from full devotion. I know what the 10% is. I'd like to share that with you so I can be healed, so I can experience the abundant life because what I'm experiencing right now is not the abundant life. I know I have eternal life, but this whole Christianity thing, man, it's a ripoff because um, I feel like I, I, I want to give 100%, but I'm not. So I, then I'm not experiencing the abundant life, and you end up with as sour Christians. And I'm telling you, as believers, fully devoted believers that are, have experienced the abundant life, you should be the most joyful the most humble uh, people that they, they want you on their team. They want you around because you demonstrate what it looks like to be fully devoted to Christ. And also, when you're fully devoted, when you're experiencing the abundant life, when you get the phone call that says, hey, my mom's got six months to live, we don't mourn as those who don't have hope. I know where she's going. I know what it looks like to be fully devoted. My mother-in-law has been a fully devoted follower of Christ. She's experiencing, she will experience the eternal life, not because of what she's doing, but because of what Christ has done. But then on top of that, she has demonstrated the abundant life. And if you've met her daughter, you know the abundant life was passed to her as well. So let me pray for us, and, um, and we'll get going here. All right? Let's pray. Lord, Thank you. Thank you for the eternal life that you offer us through the person of Christ. Lord, thank you for the abundant life you invite us to be a part of. Lord, I pray that myself and my friends here, that we would recognize the things in our life that are keeping us from full devotion, keeping us from the abundant life, keeping us from experiencing the life you always wanted us to have, but you're asking for us to give away our life in order to experience that. Lord, that is crazy, but it's true. And it's good to be a part of the family of God and run with people that say, I'm not satisfied with 90%. I want to go all in. I want to go 100%. I want to pursue you. I pray for my friends right now that they would wrestle with this. I pray that tonight they would lose sleep over this, thinking through what are the things in my life that are preventing me from going all in? And then, Lord, helping them find someone that they can share with and confess to and experience the abundant life. Lord, we love you. We thank you for who you are, what you've done for us, and that Christ died for us, rose again, and it's coming back for us. For all things in Christ's name, amen. After the service today is say so. If you want to stick around for that, uh, what we're asking is that you can, you can register online at this, on the Springs app or the Springs website. And uh, we're asking for meals will be covered here, $8 per meal. If you would help us offset this cost, we'd sure appreciate that.
But uh, stick around for say-so and go surprise those children's workers over there and say, it's your lucky day. Robert spoke today. All right? Y'all have a great week of worship. We'll see you next Sunday.